My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. My brother and myself were always interested in running our own business. We just didn't know what it was. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyron Sharm and in this episode, we're speaking with Sonok Koo, property developer and founder of HWD Homes. We'll hear how he manages to balance a full-time job with property development, how to make an average profit of at least $250,000 per deal and the dangers of having too much on your plate. Before diving into property development, Ku already had an established career. However, his focus is shifting towards property development. I'm actually an accountant by trade, but I've obviously turned my attention to uh, property development in the last five to seven years. HWD Homes specializes in creating quality boutique residential development. The story behind the business name is what Ku describes as tacky yet quite funny. I'm calling myself a big. Um, big boxing fans or martial arts in general. So uh, you've obviously heard of uh, Floyd Mayweather. So he has an acronym for um, during his training camp and that's uh, hard work dedication. So that's what it stands for. When working for HWD Homes, Ku's day consists of a lot of administration work. So I still actually work a full-time job at the moment. So I still do my, um, my finance or accounting um, work. But on a given day in terms of the property development stuff, we've actually got it set up pretty well. So a lot of my work is actually on the phone on the phone or on emails. So it's actually just responding to um, the consultants, making sure the real estate agents are doing their job and, and um, following up leads for sales. Um, so to be honest, a lot of it is actually just overseeing administration. More, more around project managing, just making sure everything's on time, on budget, and everything's moving along. So it's, so I'm, I'm really just on the phone and answering emails, to be honest. Unless I'm out out on site, sort of doing some some deal deal appraisals. But even even when we're looking for deals, a lot of that's done in the back office before we go on site to check it. Along with a full time job, Ku has a lot to juggle throughout his day. He shares how he manages to do both. So it does vary quite a bit depending on um, what stages the properties are at or sorry, the deals are at. If Because um, we've been doing it for a while, it, 
at the start, if if your intention was to still work full time, it's it is difficult at the start because obviously you're going to make the contacts, you're going to um, get that knowledge where you don't have to be um, chasing things up all the time, and you you've got that sort of relationship with consultants, and you can give someone a task, and you know it's going to get done. But I would, at the moment, I would say. So, so me and my brother run the business together. So we may spend two hours a day each on administration, maybe not even that. So our intention was always to go full-time in property development, but I've had some – I've been fortunate enough to have some very good mentors and um, be part of some good networking groups where we were advised that um, – because I know the – the I guess the dream for everyone is to go full time into their own business, but we've we've got we've got sort of got a transition plan just to be a bit more conservative, especially with the the way the market is. So that was the advice that um, we were given that probably it's something that we should look at, but not to jump straight into. Although Ku would be able to go into property development full time, he is listening to the advice he was given. To be honest, with with what we've built up, we could probably so when I say we, it's um, my brother and myself. Um, we could probably do it now, but it's just something that we want to um, because we're still young and still sort of enjoy the the busy lifestyle for now. It's something that we want to look towards in the next tw- sort of twelve to eighteen months. Ku was raised in Melbourne, which is where he now chooses to invest. Um, so I grew up in the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne, so Furniture Gully, if um, if you're familiar with that area, it's around the Knox Knox area. So I actually went to primary school and high school in the Knox area, and I and I completed a Bachelor of Commerce in Accounting, um, yeah, after high school. So yeah, got that bachelor's and a CPA qualified. So a lot of studies throughout his time studying. Ku also held down some part-time jobs. I worked in um, what is now Bunnings but used to be McEwen's. I'm not sure if you remember that but so, um, so, so I think Bunnings took McEwen's over probably yeah, decades ago, had part-time jobs at Dick Smith. They got taken over <laughs> or went bankrupt. Um, so yeah, just did whatever I could do at that time. After completing his university degree, Ku jumped straight into his accounting career. I jumped straight into a um, like a graduate accounting job, so to speak, um, and yeah, and yeah, just moved into different sort of areas of accounting and finance. And um, since that point, and what I've had to do, and this is probably one of the things I didn't touch on before when I said I work full time, I actually had to move out of finance and accounting to be able to do my development as well. So the um, so obviously an accounting or finance job is very nine to five. Whereas even though I've got a full-time role now, but it's very flexible. And the reason I sort of left the accounting field, even though I still work full-time, is to be able to do my property investing and developing as well. After leaving the accounting field, Ku's job gave him the flexibility to have more focus on property development. Um, so I'm in operational planning in the utilities industry. And and for me to do that at that time, so I did that probably four years ago so that was a like a really big sort of milestone for me because obviously I'd study three years undergrad and three years postgrad to get my CPA and then to to actually give 
sort of well in a in a sense give sort of the finance career up to move into planning where it was more flexible so I can work from home start when I want finish when I want was a was I didn't wasn't the same it's obviously not the same as quitting your full-time job but it was a big sort of um, move for myself to be able to um, make sure I could uh, pursue sort of the property investing side of it and his brother always knew that they wanted to have their own business. However, they faced one problem. They had no idea what they wanted to do. We were... So, it sounds a bit funny when you when I look back at it now. So, we we actually looked at franchises, subways and your grilled franchises thinking or to become a franchisee, thinking maybe that's the way to go. And then we, we bought a few vending machines thinking that might be the way to go. Then... Um, yeah, just hearing. So, so I guess from from my if if I'd, I I was to um, think about whether my parents had any influence over property side of it, they would talk about it like most mum and dads, but not not particularly in developing itself. Yeah, so we, we always had an interest in business, so it sort of led us to um, the property side of it anyway. Yeah, so there's only so many things you can do, business, shares, property in terms of investing and we sort of looked at each one of them and and felt that share trading definitely wasn't for us and opening a franchise business definitely wasn't for us either. After deciding to invest into property, Ku needed to find what he was good at. Like many developers, so we actually started off in renovation. So we were, I don't know how you put it, so we, my brother and myself were avid property networking workshop attendees, so people that go to all these um, events and get that sort of motivational aspect of it. Um, so we used to go to a lot of those workshops where you know, people present and say what you could do, talk about passive income and that. Um, so we are always interested in property investing. But developing itself was sort of something that came maybe four years down the track when we actually sat down and figured out what we really want to do because we had bought property um, before developing, but we were sort of like more of a, you know, not to be disrespectful, but more of a mum, sort of a mum and dad sort of investor where we were just buying a property to renovate without any timelines or budgets or any sort of goals. It was... It was just one of those things where you'd hear in the media that it's that's what everyone should be doing. We should be trying to invest. So we we did that without any sort of clear direction. Before Ku found his niche in property development, he experimented with renovations. So we ended up renovating. Um, so, so it wasn't a lot. So we did three re- renovations. Um, so the first one we bought was you know, was the most disgusting property you'd ever ever seen it just it needed a full makeover and it was um yeah it was just filth i think it was a uh it was a guy on benefits who had a few dogs that lived in the house that just um so it was just urine and feces everywhere <laughs> and it was just yeah it was just filth yeah yeah but it was cheap so it was, it was a good lesson that after we did our first one, we kind of thought, mm, "This is—we're really not good at this, <laughs> at this renovation, re- renovation thing." 
so we ended up doing another two, but very small renovation jobs, more more of a um, clean up and a dress up as opposed to war changes and kitchen changes and things like that. Yeah. He bought this house for two hundred thirty-seven thousand and managed to make a good profit. We made around ninety thousand off that one, so we were—I mean, we were absolutely stoked. But so that's gross before tax. Yeah, so so we would have we wouldn't have done that one under from from memory anyway under a business or anything. So we would have just bought it under our personal names and not had any GST issues or anything like that. But, but we weren't we weren't sure if that was the renovation or the market. <laughs> so, so I think when we look back at it, we, we might have got lucky and it might have been the market that went up at that stage because we bought such a uh, crappy property in a uh, okay area. Um, yeah, and we spent maybe oh, fifty thousand ish on the renovation, fifty to sixty thousand. After discovering that renovation wasn't his thing, Ku started his property development journey. If I go back to the start, like we we started off in the obviously in the residential um, property development, and we just looked at sort of uh, dual oxides and sort of gradually moved on from there. So we've done two on a site. We've actually done one on a site behind an existing property before. Moved on to two, then we've done three, four, and so on. So, but we've, we've sort of kept it in that sort of range of about four units and that's sort of our niche at the moment at the moment so from when we first started we've, we've done around 15 projects to date with um, some of them still ongoing so not all of them we've actually built because obviously with the market changing we normally assess them and and see whether there's actually any value selling with permits or actually the land itself so so of the 15 we've probably take into completion around two-thirds of those. Throughout his time completing these 15 projects, Ku has experienced some questionable investing moments. So in terms of financials, the worst one we did was probably our third project. So we broke even on it and it was a project that we bought. So this is before we took the whole business thing seriously and it was in our early days, we sort of just bought one thinking that's good value and ended up being able to build three on it, but we held on to it for like, we did the project over four years, which is just for a three unit site, um, probably double the length of time it should take. And really something that we didn't, to be honest, we're quite lucky because we bought it as a, um, almost as a test project to see whether we wanted to do developing and didn't lose any money on it, but didn't really make any money on it. And yeah, it wasn't something at that time we took seriously. So when I look at look back on it, it was probably quite lucky we didn't lose money on it because we just we just decided to build on it without too many um, numbers or anything like that. It was in the suburbs Heidelberg Heights in the north northern suburbs of Melbourne. So it's quite close to the city, probably eleven to thirteen k's. So we bought that because of that reason. Because it's a at that time it was probably a lower economic. A social economic area, but quite um, close to the city. Um, so we thought there was good value in it, and that was the reason why we bought it. To be honest, if we bought it and sold it, we probably would have made quite a bit of money because of um, how the market changed over time. But but it so happens that we decided to develop without any 
any knowledge, which 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 is why I say we're probably lucky and not one of the one of the ones that decided to do or get into developing without the proper sort of knowledge and actually lose a lot of money. From this experience, Ku took away a valuable lesson. So basically off that one, we decided that um, we, we needed to get serious and actually seek out a mentor. <laughs> so so we up to that point, we were sort of a, a, I guess you could call it a part-time investor. We just wanted to be in the market because that was what everyone said we should be doing. Um, so we're actually part of a property program called result and they, and they were really good in terms of the goal setting and the foundations but the but what we found with that program was it was a very generalized um, program in terms of you got taught a lot of things so we because of that we tried to do a lot of things which which is absolutely no fault of the program itself it was just we didn't we didn't take the time to sit down and actually decide what we wanted to do so we we said okay Renault's we'll try development will try we actually went to new zealand and bought eight properties for because we wanted to try it so from that point we sort of sat down from my brother myself and said okay well developing is actually what we wanted to do what we thought we were good at the project management side of it we thought we we're quite good at looking for deals which we found good deals we just didn't know how to execute them so we actually um found a mentor um and you probably you may have heard of him. So we went into a program run by Troy Harris. Yeah, and that's sort of when we joined that. Troy sort of looked at our portfolio and said, "Guys, you need to get serious and get real. What are you trying to do?" We gave him our goals, and we've had we had Renaults developing overseas investing. He just said, um, "You're trying to do too much, and if you've got enough money to." try invest in all these areas and good luck but if you want to focus on 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 one of the areas then you're probably going to have much more success so that's when we sort of decided to get serious and uh, just pursue uh, developing itself joining the program run by troy harris was when property development clicked for coup he asked for sort of what our goals were out of um our investing, I guess, career, and he, and he sort of just put it on us and said, you're, you're trying to do too much and you're, I think you might waste your time trying to, well, joining this program and thinking you can pursue all these three, three sort of investing ventures or three or four, whatever it was at the time. And that's when my brother and myself actually thought, actually, you know, he's probably right. Why, why are we trying to, you know, focus our time on, all these different investing um, strategies when we should just be doing the one and trying to do it well. And I th- that was that was the big sort of catalyst for us to move forward. After this epiphany from working with Harris, Ku and his brother knew property development was what they wanted to do. He shares how they came to this decision. I think it was more the, the project management side of it. So we... We were pretty, we were pretty confident. We were good with the relationship side and getting things done. Um, I mean, I've got a finance background. My brother's, my brother's a, he actually works in a bank, but he's quite good with the networking and the relationship building. So he was good at finding deals, and one, and one of the aspects with 
developing is trying to get finance. So I sort of had that covered in terms of understanding the numbers and that. And um, and just based off the projects we'd done in the past, it was it was actually the one where we thought if we actually focused on it, we would get the we would get the the best outcome or the financial outcome for us because we did the renos, we made a bit of money, but we thought it's not it's not something we're passionate about or actually interested in in getting our hands dirty and doing. So it was really yeah. So it kind of let yeah it kind of just led to property development in the end. We just sort of we just sort of knew that's what we wanted to do. We're we're extremely lucky because we've got a very like we're very close in our normal personal lives as a and um so we're able to I guess um um what's the word like interlink our yeah complement our <clears throat> that relationship with our business relationship. So we. We argue a lot, but we don't. It's nothing personal, so I shouldn't say we argue a lot. We discuss and debate a lot, but we don't. But it's never anything personal. So we've actually got a very good relationship. Like I, like when it comes to the areas that I look after, the financing, sort of the administration part of it, he doesn't question me. He's got full trust in what I do, and vice versa. Like he looks for deals. Um, he yeah would. We just, yeah, have that trust with each other. Coming up after the break, we'll explore the strategy that Ku used to achieve success. So in terms of how we get it done, it's, I think it's from the the years of the relationship. We'll hear about the resources that edge Ku into property development. So for my birthday, my brother actually bought me the that you know the infamous zero to 130 properties in three and a half years he will share the advice he would give to his younger self i would say to him get focused a lot more quickly and that's next i'm tyron shum and you're listening to property investory hey let's be real Deals that can yield 20 to 30% per annum do exist. Don't believe me? Well, here's a story about property development I invested in Victoria. This developer had the project fully funded beforehand, but he and his family suffered a loss, a circumstance that led him to be unable to proceed with the development. So, I stepped in and in two weeks, we funded the shortfall, allowing for the development to continue. Five months later, the development was refinanced and we received our funds back with interest. Yes, there are amazing opportunities in the property market like this one. So, do you want to get a better return with low risk on your money? Then register your interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. Behind balancing a full-time job and property development, it is important to develop a strategy that will aid you. Ku details his strategy and how it assists him. So I would say this is not the optimum because because I do have um, I do have friends who are full time developers and I could see that they could definitely get stuff done a lot more efficient than I can obviously because they they got more time. But um, so in terms of how we get it done, it's I think it's from the the years of the relationship. So we've we've built up six, seven years of relationships with um, 
a few different builders, um, brokers, um, like drafties, engineers, where, to be honest, if I need to get a deal done, I'll just send them an email with the drawings or what I need done and they sort of action it. So for anyone thinking that it's easy to do, it, it would take you a bit of time to get those relationships. So if you think you can just work full time and send an email out at lunch and expect an engineer to do your drawings or prioritize your drawings, that's probably not going to happen. It's just the years of um, the relationships we've built and the, the quantity of work we've given back to some of these guys or guys or girls for them to, um, to I guess, get that sort of priority um, on their list. Yeah. Like in the early days of Ku's journey, it is still a challenge to build these relationships. It definitely is a challenge or was a challenge in the earlier days and to be honest, it still is a challenge in this market and um, especially we're located in Melbourne and the Melbourne market has been very hot until probably the last six months. So trying to get agents to respond and that sort of stuff was, was still challenging. And there was obviously a lot of agents that came in came into the market as well, so it made buying deals difficult. Um, so we still have that challenge now. But in the earlier days, I should mention we did take a lot of um, time off to do it. So in terms of like leave and um, working from home days, actually I don't think people maybe not realise how big of a change it was for me to move um, careers as well to do this. So the as I touched on before, the the planning role I have now was or is extremely flexible, and that was one of the reasons why I could do it. Um, but obviously, I give up my accounting and finance career for that. Um, so, yeah, you just have to find ways to get it done. Like if we took leave days, I mean, I had to change sort of the profession I was in so I could do this. Establishing these crucial relationships is not as easy as it may appear. I know a lot of people have issues with um, trying to get builders. If you ask someone, someone will say, oh, well, just grab a project and get a builder to quote it. And then when you get and then when you grab a set of plans and get a builder to quote it, they sort of just think, you know, who are you? Are you just wasting, you're just another tire kicker wasting my time. So it's, yeah, it's not as easy as, um, as some people say it is, but some of the consultants we, we did have to pay for their time. We're quite open to the fact that if we had to pay a builder for his time, we would pay him. So we weren't too concerned with, um, because I know a lot of people, that might be a, a bit of a, an obstacle for some people trying to get feedback and actually paying someone for advice that maybe they're not going to use at the moment. But we're quite liberal in terms of um, doing that. And I can't remember any specifics, but if we, but I do recall if we had a job and we had a consultant we wanted to use, we would just give them the job without sort of. Um, and I don't know if this is the best practice without getting two or three quotes as they sort of tell you to do. And um, going back to that same person again, you know, to build that relationship. It is a tough one in developing because if you've never done one and you're trying to get build costs and that and people just say, well, just go ask a builder, it, it is actually not as simple as that. <laughs> and and if you ask them three or four times, they're ah, just going to ignore you if you don't give them, jo- give them a job. 
and uh, yeah, so it is, it's, oh, it's, there's no easy answer for that. And the only way we got around it was because we ended up giving the builders we, we spoke to at the start a few jobs and that they end up taking a bit more seriously. Ku uses his established relationships throughout his process of developing a project. Like most developers would, would find a find a site in sort of, so we develop, um, we try to develop close to home. So I'm in, um, so I'm, I, I'm in the sort of Doncaster area at the moment of Melbourne, Box Hill sort of area. So we do deals from sort of um, Manningham Council down to sort of Maroondah, sort of Croydon, Ringwood, where where it's a little bit cheaper than than up sort of closer to the city. Um, so we'll like anyone else, we'll just network of agents. We we would buy most of our stuff off market, I would I dare say. But um, so yeah, it's just like the relationships um, with consultants. We have relationships with agents. They sort of bring us. Bring us deals, some some good, some bad. Um, so our traditional process would be we'd, we would get the permits um, for the construction. We we would mo- most of the time at the moment we assess whether there's any value in selling with permits, and if not, then we'll yeah engage a an agent to um, to start marketing the properties off the plan, and then obviously once we've got our permits through council and um, and all the work and drawings, engineering, and get the building permit. We'll engage a build and start construction. It's yeah, that's sort of the high level process. Yeah. When the um, the Melbourne market was hot, probably before the last six months, um, sites with permits were selling quite high, and people were paying exorbitant prices for the permit. So it was just a a checkpoint where we would just assess it to say, well, if we built it, would obviously take finance risk, construction risk, you know, how much profit would you make versus how much would we make if we just sold with the permits at the moment or even just just selling with the land because, yeah, the market moved so much during sort of the last two years. So, yeah, just assessing the risk. Is it, yeah, is it worth building for an extra bit of um, profit or is it, is it better just to sell and move on to the next project? For Ku, the amount of time between the purchase of a property and beginning of construction is dependent on funding options. With the projects we have currently, so if we're doing a three, maybe a three-unit project, there's a there is the ability to get funding, and this is just from our personal sort of financial circumstances. Um, other developers might have different ones. So for three units, we're we're able to get funding with no pre-sales. But anything above, we're required to get, um, depending on the fund, the 50, 50% debt coverage or 100% debt coverage. So you would require pre-sale. So it's it, it, a lot of it is just driven by the banks at the moment or, or the fund, the financiers. Yeah. So they so if you know you need to get pre-sales, um, the earlier you start, the better. With this strategy in place, Ku is able to work in property full time but with part-time hours. So I would actually, so the number of projects we do, so so we would do um, three to four projects. So for the last couple of years, we'll do three to four projects per annum. So, and, and that's 
and that's constructing or selling with permits or, you know, just making a deal of, of any sort of um, property kind. So, yeah, so we would actually say yeah, that although we're not doing full-time hours, we would we would we think we've got enough deals that it would cover us for full-time employment. When making a property development investment, although Koo has no minimum requirement for a profit, he does have a goal target. So when we're assessing a deal, like when you just do sort of the raw numbers and you know that they're just draft numbers, we like to have sort of sort of a minimum 250 in a deal. Um, but obviously things change in time and you might reassess as the project goes on. Um, and yeah, and that changes. So it could be, so we've done a deal where we built three units in a suburb in Ringwood and that only netted us, netted us 150,000. But we bought, but we knew that going in because we bought the site with permits, but it only took us sort of 15 months from buying to completion. So short term deal lower profit. So yeah, it just, just depends on the deal. At the beginning of his property development journey, Ku had one hurdle that he needed to jump over. We always had, like most people, a an interest in investing but we, in our early days, we probably actually never took the time to um, actually focus on it properly. Like we, we were interested in it but not but more of a yeah, it was more of a, a part-time interest as opposed to actually wanting to get our hands dirty and and actually you know sit down, look for deals, crunch numbers. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably just uh, I think we're just probably a bit more immature. <laughs> yeah, and not really ready for the yeah for the actual yeah trying to focus on on a goal and getting it done. So I look back at it, I kind of wish I took it a bit more serious back then. <laughs> to help him guide him on his journey, Ku turned to the help of books. So, so the reason we actually got into property, or the, one of the one of the reasons um, why it sort of um, piqued our interest was, so for my birthday, my brother actually bought me the that you know the infamous zero to one hundred and thirty properties in three and a half years that had you know Steve McKnight and Dave Bradley in it. Um, so that was. So we always had an interest in business. So that, but that book was probably the one that sort of thought, oh, well, this is quite interesting. You know, the things that you can actually do with property as opposed to just buy and hold. So that was probably the first um, resource that we had that um, sort of got us into the um, property investing sort of area. Um, yeah, and then. I guess all the other books that most people have touched on, the Robert Kiyosaki books as well. As well as having books to guide him, Ku has also had guidance from his mentors. I'm a big advocate of having a mentor, even if it does cost you a bit of money. It's just um, I think some people get mentors and without actually having having sat down and thought about what they want to do, that's I think that's when you can waste a bit of money. If you're focused and you know actually what you want to do, then you can seek out a mentor sort of in that area of expertise. But I think, yeah, when, when people run run into sort of issues is I think when they um, get a mentor and they're not decided on actually wanting to pursue a particular sort of um, skill set, that's when you can sort of waste a bit of money. So we've had, I mean, as I mentioned, we were part of results and that sort of gave us a good 
good sort of foundation on goal setting and that. So we've had um, Troy Harris that really, he, he's the one that taught us how to develop in terms of the process and the, um, yeah, the process, the timing on, on really how to, how to get the, the best and highest, best use out of a site and um, maximize the financial gains from a project. Um, so we'll, We've also been lucky enough to have Dave Bradley as our mentor. Um, yeah, so he's he's really he's he's not so much about developing itself. He was more around sort of their business mindset and on how to grow the business. Um, so yeah, so we've been fairly fairly lucky. It's come at come at an expense, but I think ourselves were quite quite lucky. From all of his mentors, Ku has received priceless advice, which has helped to build his success. The best piece of advice we got from Troy was the focus one. The um, really just focus on the the one thing we wanted to do and do that well. Um, so so when, when I look back and I think about, so, so I still keep in contact with Troy, but when I actually think about Troy himself, that and what he's taught us, that that's the thing that stands out the most. Um, I, th- I think with um, teachings and developing itself, I, I think it's the process itself is not difficult to understand. Obviously the Getting through the processes are a challenge with council on that. So that education part of it, I think um, you, you, you'll pick up, but the, the actual mindset like you touched on and the focusing is sort of what stands out when I think about um, Troy and his sort of teachings to us. And if I was to think about Dave, the thing that he always um, bangs on to us about is we can always go harder. So if we take a position on the market, we should take action on our position and yeah, and just do as much as you can. We approached Dave to um, mentor us because we wanted to grow our business and we wanted to, I mean, we knew how to develop. We'd done, you know, a few successful development deals, but we said we, you know, what is the next steps? We don't know, like, you know, what do we need to do to, become a proficient full-time investor over the next, so develop over the next 20, 30 years. And he said, well, you know how you're doing two deals at the moment? You need to do five. You need to look on how do you do 10 deals or 15 deals. You know, it doesn't, the numbers itself doesn't matter, but it's it's what you want to achieve in, in your goals. And if you if you want to make this a success, then, you yeah, you need to go hard and do as much as you can. So it's not so much the market itself, it's just sort of stretching yourselves and your capacity on what you can can do in number of projects, size of projects. Dave Bradley taught Koo the importance of getting outside of his comfort zone. My brother and myself sort of push each other. So we, I think you you know when you go through tougher periods where you, you kind of just have that feeling that you're not doing enough, I think. Um, so yeah, like, because I've got a um, business partner, who's my brother, we sort of just keep ourselves um, accountable for our goals. And because and we've sort of got things churning pretty well, we've, even when we're not um, going hard, hard enough, going hard enough per se, we've, we've got stuff moving along um, that we can tick off each day just to keep the wheels in motion. And then when things sort of get a bit flat, sort of think, okay, what do we, you know, sit down and say, well, what do, what do we do now? Do we... You know, do we look for another project? Do we get more funding? 
yeah, just yeah, looking at sort of working on the business as opposed to in the business. As for Koo, he has some advice for his younger self and others at the beginning of their journey. I would say to him, get focused a lot more quickly <laughs> and, and get focused and, and sort out what you want to do and stop procrastinating because I'm, I'm by rights quite a lazy person. He has some personal habits that have aided him along his path to success. I don't know if this is a good or bad ones. So I, I'm quite pedantic in returning phone calls and answering all my emails, even if I have to stay up late at night. But um, yeah, that's probably so. There's that saying: um, if you you know try to do something um, every day towards your goals, that's sort of what I base it on. So if there's something that needs to be done especially if i'm holding up a process i absolutely hate that so yeah just to yeah just respond to all your consultants um um make that phone call just yeah just take action it can be a it's a bit of a catch to me too because sometimes i get too into the detail of doing stuff that i forget i need to look at the bigger picture and and see where the business is going so that's i guess that's a downside of uh having that sort of uh, uh, addiction to getting my property stuff done. Thank you to Sanok Koo our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you love the show, perhaps you're now ready to invest your money in a low-risk, high-return deal. If you are, then SMS me your name and email address on 0499881040 to become a lender. There are amazing opportunities in the property market right now and I'm looking for lenders who want to invest their money for as short as 6 months. What are you waiting for? Don't let your money just sit in the bank. To register your interest, text me your name and email address on 0499881040. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.